Hi, I'm James Verdeer, and welcome to the American Institute of Biological Sciences Bioscience Talks, a forum for integrating life sciences, where, on the second Wednesday of each month, we discuss the latest bioscience publications. And as a reminder, if you'd like to read more, point your browser to bioscience.oxfordjournals.org. For today's episode, I'm joined by Netta Weinstein, a senior lecturer at Cardiff University in the UK. And the article we're discussing is about exposure to nature and its links with human well-being. Now, there's been a lot of research over the years on how nature affects people's mental and physical health, but this article takes a slightly different tack. Dr. Weinstein and her colleagues looked at the relationships between nature exposure and community health. So we're talking here about things like crime and social cohesion. The results were striking and wide-ranging, and we had no shortage of things to chat about. So let's get straight to the interview. Thank you very much for joining us, Dr. Weinstein. Uh, thanks so much for talking to me today. Okay, and just to get us started, you know, I mentioned this in the intro, but there's obviously been a lot of work on the health effects of nature on individuals. Um, but your work is different from that. And I was wondering if you could just explain a little bit how that is. Um, so yeah, like you just said, um, there has been quite a bit of work uh, coming out of the psychological literature on how being in nature helps us to feel happier, more energized or more vitalized. Uh, encourages us to have a better sense of, um, of physical health, for example, more recovery um, after a medical operation, lower stress, and kind of the physical outcomes that, that come from that. Uh, what this research is looking at, though, is slightly different. What we wanted to look at were uh, the social consequences of natural spaces. And um, so we were interested not in sort of the personal outcomes of, of nature, but rather the interpersonal outcomes, how people relate to one another in a different way uh, and how they feel about one another uh, as a function of the natural space they have around them. Okay. And, and, you know, I think one of the things that we think about when we look at a, a study like this is the possibility of there being confounding variables. And in, in, in particular, something like exposure to nature, one might imagine that, you know, those who come from an extremely wealthy background uh, might be likely to have very nice lawns. And those who, you know, come from depressed circumstances in urban inner cities might not. Um, what were some of the efforts that you made to control for those types of things? Yeah, so uh, the, the, the study that we conducted uh, was meant to be more naturalistic, to look at people's uh, actual experiences uh, as they report them with their neighbors, with those around them, uh, and their experiences of nature in their day-to-day -day lives. Um, and and the, the problem with that is that while we can get a real sense of people's experiences around their homes, uh, we're not doing an experiment. So we can't, um, you know, we're not kind of manipulating exposure to nature uh, and by doing so excluding the, the possibility that we we have confounds for uh, for experiences with nature and so what we tried to do was to test for um, a number of, of the most uh, likely confounds uh, and so for example when we conducted our analyses we compared experiences of nature um, to uh, to socioeconomic standing so we looked at how people's socioeconomic standing affects their experiences with their, with their neighbors, their sense of community cohesion. And uh, we wanted to see, does socioeconomic status affect their community cohesion? And if so, uh, does it shape the way that nature then affects it? Does it you know, better account for that relation between natural spaces and community cohesion? Um, we also looked at how people's childhood contact with lo local nature affected them. And those kinds of controls were conducted when we looked at individual level analyses. That is when we wanted to see how individuals felt close or less close to their neighbors as a function of the nature around them. 
but we also did analyses at a community level. And there what we wanted to see was how uh, green space at the community level related or didn't relate, or I should say more or less related uh, to, uh, to crime, which is an important indicator of uh, kind of strong cohesive communities is having lower crime in those neighborhoods. Uh, and so when we analyzed community level green space uh, and the links between community level green space and uh, crime at the, at the community level, we also accounted for uh, some important potential confounds there, uh, including community level socioeconomic deprivation, so socioeconomic status or the lack of it. Um, and we also looked at unemployment rate at the community level. Uh, so we wanted to see if, per, you know, perhaps it was about advantaged communities versus disadvantaged communities. And controlling for all of those things, we still found uh, that, uh, that having green space in your community was linked to lower crime rates in your community. That's interesting. And, you know, one thing I was hoping we could touch on briefly before we get further into the actual results was um, the origin of the data. You know, obviously, this is a UK study, um, but things like social cohesion are kind of, you know, interesting to measure, if not difficult to measure. And, you know, I do know you mentioned crime, but where's this information coming from? You know, kind of where, what are the data? Sure. Um, and so when we were looking at the individual level, uh, so the, the measures are different uh, depending on whether we were, were talking about community level or individual level. When we were looking at these constructs at the individual level, we asked people to, um, to report their experience of natural spaces around them. Um, and we asked them questions like, how much uh, nature do you see out your window? So when you look out of your window at home, uh, how much is the area around you natural or built up? Um, but we also ask them questions about uh, ease of getting accessibility of nature. That is, how easy is it to get to the nature around you? How much time they spend in nature? So, for example, you know, I, I never visit my local, na uh, my local natural spaces or I visit those spaces every day. So it's about uh, different ways, we measure different ways of contacting nature, both how we see nature around us, but also how engaged we are uh, with natural spaces around us. And when we were looking at, uh, at community cohesion, which was our, um, our kind of one of our primary outcomes in this study, we wanted to see how people experience others in their neighborhoods. So we asked people about their sense of closeness and relatedness to those around them. Um, we asked them questions like, I care about other people in my neighborhood. I feel connected to other people in my neighborhood. Uh, or I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm on the same team with those people. And we also asked them, um, would they, would they, if they had an, you know, an hour of their time to spare, would they be willing to use that time to help a neighbor? So we, we asked a series of questions designed to look at that sense of, you know, do I feel like I'm, um, I'm uh, close and connected to those around me? And you then found a relationship between that sense of closeness and the amount of time that they were spending in nature. How big an effect was that? Um, so the effect is not a big effect uh, okay. in, in some ways. You know, when we're looking at these uh, these individual differences uh, in a, a large sample kind of across the country, there are a lot of things that are going on that feed into people's uh, sense of closeness with their neighbors. Um, but just to give you a sense of the importance of natural spaces in this study, uh, the amount of 
we compared, uh, actually we didn't directly compare, we e examined the amount of variability that was accounted for by, um, by natural spaces, and we also looked at the amount of variability that was accounted for uh, by those things that we would be, in a more intuitive way, we would think would be really important to having a strong cohesive communities, things like education and income. Um, and the amount of variability that was accounted for by natural spaces was more than twice uh, the, the combined amount of things like education and income. So in this case, natural spaces uh, had quite an impact uh, on, on um, people's sense of social cohesion. So essentially, it's, it's a matter of people who spend more time in nature seem to be among those who are more likely to feel an importance of community and also they have a role in it and that they're a part of a team with their neighbors, et cetera. Yes. Okay. And with crime, you know, one of the things that was really striking is that exposure to nature described, I think you had 4% of the variance um, in, in local crime. That seems like a very large number. How did that stack up compared with, you know, sort of other traditional measures uh, that we might expect to have a stronger linkage with crime? Yeah. So uh, in this study, uh, we found that uh, 4% of uh, variance was accounted for by, um, by natural spaces when, when we were looking at community, uh, cr community crime rates. Um, and while that's not you know, a large amount of variance uh, in the grand scheme of things. Again, there are a lot of things that contribute to crime rates. But to put it in perspective, when we look at um, uh, something like socioeconomic de deprivation or unemployment rate, uh, those kinds of community level constructs that we expect to be highly associated with crime. In fact, those might be sort of the first that we go to when we think about understanding uh, the levels of crimes in communities. We see that we're only accounting for about 5% or 6% of the variability with those kinds of constructs. So, so in this case, nature was, um, you know, on the same level. I'm not going to say quite comparable because, again, we didn't directly compare them, um, but it seems like it's uh, in the same ballpark as important constructs like socioeconomic deprivation that we do spend a lot of time and resources uh, uh, working on and uh, and, cha and changing in, in neighborhoods. And so it's obviously beyond the scope of the study to, you know, to make a policy recommendation, but uh, would it be fair to say that this is something that, you know, policymakers might want to consider or at least begin to think about? Uh, I would say so. I think one of the takeaways from this paper is that it does seem like um, you know, for, from what we can see so far, having access to natural spaces does matter in terms of having strong, healthy communities. And that's really important. It's important directly, but it is also important indirectly. It, it's important for uh, well-being. It's important for health. It's important for productivity. Uh, and we explored some of those outcomes um, in this paper. But I think we also have a sort of understanding that when people do feel that they can trust those around them, that they care about those around them, that that makes a difference in terms of people's quality of life. Um, and so when we, you know, if we think about kind of um, policies, where we're putting our resources, what we kind of invest our, our time and effort in, um, we might consider natural spaces as, as being a, a priority, being something that we should pay attention to making those kinds of spaces available, accessible, and attractive, uh, encouraging people to go out in natural, um, natural areas more. Uh, and so making, making those kinds of resources available to people seems like it might be important for fostering strong communities. 
And I know this, you know, this isn't something that was explored in depth or, or numerically, but do you have any sort of idea, you know, from the psychological literature or otherwise, why we might be seeing this? You know, why are we seeing this important role um, or linkage between exposure to nature and, you know, the outcomes on social cohesion and crime? What's, what's really going on there? Do we have any idea? Sure. Well, it's, you know, it's really speculative at this point, um, but there, there are a couple of things that could be going on here. Uh, one of them has to do with, uh, with the effect that nature has on us psychologically that's been shown in other studies. Uh, and that's the tendency for just merely exposure to natural spaces to foster in people a sense of connection and closeness to nature itself. And so it seems like natural spaces have this capacity to, uh, to, to foster connection and caring for the outside world. It's a construct that's known as nature connectedness or relatedness to nature. Um, and so, you know, the, I think the question is, well, what does that matter for our relationships with other people? And the answer comes from motivational psychology. In motivational psychology, people have looked at how that sense of relatedness or closeness to things in the outside world, usually people, but not always people in the outside world, how that affects our, our tendency to seek out others. And what re other research has found um, that comes from this area, from motivational psychology, is that when people have the sense of relatedness satisfied, when they feel a sense of connection and closeness uh, rather than a sense of isolation and loneliness, that it actually encourages them to seek even more closeness with others, even more connectedness. And so it might be that what we're seeing is we're seeing that sense of connection to nature generalized to people. You know, others uh, or individuals go into their communities and what they see as natural spaces. The natural spaces encourage them to go outside of themselves and, and feel closeness with something more than than them and that sense of connectedness or cl or closeness then generalizes uh to other people around them so that's that's one kind of speculation um and 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 there there's compete certainly competing hypotheses for this as well um there has been research that has shown that when people go out um you know into their community, they're more likely to interact and engage with others and that natural spaces provide play, you know, provide a context for going out and meeting your neighbors and getting to know your neighbors. When people have the access to natural space, it creates an actual communal uh, meeting spot where people tend to interact, get to know each other more. Uh, and, a, and a third possible um, uh, explanation for the effect is that natural spaces also encourage us to be more uh, ourselves, more interested in our surroundings, more curious, uh, and enjoy the present moment more. We don't just worry about our deadlines and our pressures, you know, all those things that buildings are usually associated with. We don't worry about things like uh, having money or being beautiful, but we stop and we just enjoy and experience the world around us. And it's that sense of what we call autonomy uh, and it could also be that mindfulness, being in the present moment, that encourages people to then feel a sense of closeness to others. That's interesting. So it sounds like there are a lot of possible reasons why people may be benefiting from, you know, being exposed to nature and how that may be playing into their interactions with others. Yes. And I think that's an important next step is for us to explore those possibilities. How would you explore those possibilities? What sort of future work on that type of thing is being examined? Uh, so one... 
you know, one thing we could do is to go back to ex to experimental studies, um, manipulate exposure to nature in a laboratory setting and see how we're able in the moment to change, for example, people's sense of connection or relatedness, people's sense of autonomy or mindfulness. Um, and we, in a, in a, you know, in, in a way we could really begin to explore uh, those relations in those kind of settings. And we can make a more causal interpretations as well about the kinds of effects that we see. So for example, we could do a lab study where we expose people to nature or not, or we expose people to uh, different types of nature, if that's what we might be interested in. And we see how that exposure in the lab shapes their experiences in the moment, uh, as well as their sense of closeness or connection uh, uh, to others. Uh, and potentially create an opportunity for them to interact with somebody in the lab, for example, and look at the quality of that interaction, give them an opportunity to help someone in the lab and see whether they choose to take up that opportunity. So we could do these kinds of experimental studies, um, and while they would allow us to make uh, uh, causal, um, uh, more causal conclusions, they would still test those kinds of uh, ideas in a more artificial setting. So. Uh, so ideally, we would want to complement those kinds of e experimental studies with more either correlational work or quasi-experimental work um, that, that's a little bit more naturalistic, but again, would begin to look at those potential mechanisms. Is, is any of the experimental work underway right now, or is that is that still to come? So we're starting to do work to uh, try to understand how not just the presence or absence of nature, but also how different types of nature uh, affect well-being and relationships. Um, and so, for example, looking at different types of nature, comparing uh, woodland to seaside, uh, for example, and comparing both of those types of nature to urban spaces, but also looking at how amount of, of biodiversity in a natural space, the number of species or the, um, the, the number of individuals uh, might impact well-being and, and relationships. Uh, and we're doing that primarily with experimental studies right now, but I think we'll need to be doing uh, more real-world stuff on that as well. You know, it's interesting that you bring up the different types of nature because the present study didn't really differentiate, did it? It was kind of mostly focused on, you know, a generality of green space, right? Yeah, so um, so in this study, we, we looked either subjectively people's experience that they are in kind of nature, very, very broadly defined, um, or we looked at green space by, um, by looking at satellite, uh, perc the percentage of, of actual green space from satellite images. So this was a really uh, rough approximation of natural spaces. And I think one of the reasons that I'm pretty astounded that the effects are robust despite that what would be really key for future research is to begin to understand uh, the effects of, of the different kinds of green space that people are exposed to. In future work, it would be important to understand how, for example, wilderness areas or more biodiverse areas might affect us differently than, uh, let's say, a city park or perhaps an area that has lower biodiversity in it. So we'd want to disentangle those. And that sounds like a rich area for future research and a good place to leave it. Dr. Weinstein, thank you very much for joining us. Excellent. Thanks a lot. 
And that concludes this episode of Bioscience Talks. Just a reminder, the journal Bioscience is published by Oxford University Press on behalf of the American Institute of Biological Sciences. To read the article we talked about today and more, point your browser to bioscience.oxfordjournals.org. Thank you for listening and talk to you next time.